Hey everybody, it's so good we get to be together. So I want to say welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're a part of our Crossroads family, I love that we get to stay connected this way. And I love we get to dig into God's word together this way. If you're brand new, if you haven't been a part of Crossroads before, we're so glad you found us and hopefully we'll find you and we'll connect together and genuinely and really become your church home. And we'd love to do that. We'd love to have connection. By the way, one of the things I've learned during this crisis is geography does not define family. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Geography doesn't define family. So we have people in Louisiana and New York and Idaho and, and, and all over watching. Some in New York right now. And we love we get to be together, but we can really get to know each other. We'll talk about different ways to make that happen and uh, just love to love to have us really be a family that connects together. I also want to tell you how excited I am for what's coming in the At The Movie series in July. Uh, so I want to ask you to do something. It's on Friday nights. Uh, it's going to be at um, th- uh, 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock Pacific time. But what if you had a watch party? What if you, even if you're like, I have uh, grandkids in uh, Colorado, uh, grandchildren in, in New York, and I thought, what if we all watched together at the same time and interacted together around this? So you can have a virtual watch party. You can have a watch party if you're home, if you're comfortable with that. But I want to encourage you to have parties, like get people together, get them all watching together. Then we're going to show some incredible movies. But then what we do is I teach scripture in the midst of it. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, starting July 3rd, all the Fridays in July, we'll be doing that together. Get a watch party together, invite people now. We right now, though, are bringing an end to the series 100 Seconds to Midnight. Where do we get that title from if you're brand new? Well, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists have what's called the Doomsday Clock. You can search it on the uh, Google it or, or go on to Safari and look for it. it. It's a clock that's active. And that clock is the closest it's ever been to midnight, which is considered the annihilation of mankind or such a destruction of mankind that the vast majority of us would not be inhabiting planet Earth. We've never been this close before. These scientists have never seen us so close to impending doom. But I want you to know that all the things they're talking about, the Bible talked about before. And so what happened is science and the Bible merged. Faith and evidence came together. And that's why it's so important for me that you know about what's going on today. You see, the Bible said there's a sign to begin all signs, that that sign to begin all signs, that Jesus Christ would return and the end of the world as we know it would take place. And the, the beginning of that sign was Israel becoming a nation, which happened in 1948, miraculously, by the way. But the Bible predicted it, that in 1967, the sign happened, that Jesus had taught that the city of Jerusalem would be in the hands of non-Jewish people, and he called that period of time that started in 70 AD all the way till 1967. Jesus called that the time of the Gentiles. Gentiles means non-Jewish people, and the time they would own the city of Jerusalem. Then in June of 1967, miraculously, a war broke out over water. By the way, that's important to know. The war was over water, and Israel was outgunned, Israel was outmanned. But in six days, they call it the Six-Day War, the nation of Israel won the war and took back the city of Jerusalem. That is not in that distant past. 
That is in the very near past that that sign happened. And Jesus said, it is the sign to begin all signs. And so what we need to know is Jesus said, when that sign occurs, all of the others will follow and take place afterwards. And so we need to know that. I told you last week and every week that science agrees that we're in peril and the danger to mankind's real. Uh, we're going to run out of fresh, clean drinking water by the year 2040. There's actually another clock out there that shows how close we are to not having any fresh, clean drinking water. I've had some people since I shared that say, I thought that we would always perpetually have that. No, the way we're wasting our resources, it's not going to happen. And here's the thing. Scientists have been crying out. They've been sounding the alarm. They've been sending up the warning flares. And no one's listening. No one's taking heed. And you know what? If we were to do something now, we could at least lengthen the time, extend the time. But I can tell you right now, we're doing nothing. That again, the Bible said, is a sign of our impending peril. Science agrees. Science agrees. And you need to be thinking about that. The World Health Organization, the Center for Disease Control, have for years been warning about something like the coronavirus, but they also said there's something worse than the coronavirus coming. Science tells us the Bible agrees, but we're not taking heed. NASA and the European Space Agency say this. It's not a question of if we will be hit by an object from outer space. The question is, when will that occur? And, and they see a life-threatening event occurring when we're hit either by an asteroid or a comet from outer space that's large enough to end life on Earth as we know it. And, and here's what I want you to know. The Bible talks about it too, and tonight we'll get into that. Tonight I want to show you where it talks about it. And even though it was written before the science even existed, the Bible describes the exact nature of the hit and what would happen when it occurs. Exactly as science sees today to be true. Again, the Bible is telling us this. Why? Because Jesus wants you to know. Jesus wants you to be ready. And we're not preparing for the things that are coming upon the earth. Jesus said this. Jesus said that the last days would be just like the days of Noah. Now, what did he mean? When Noah was told by God to build the ark, it took Noah 100 years to build the ark. Lock that years in your mind, 100 years. And every day he was working on the ark was a sign to the people around him that impending doom was coming. Now, it would be for a while when he first started, it'd be 100 years. But here's what I want you to know. Every day they saw a sign. Every day they were being told. And God allowed them to have the opportunity to be ready, but nobody was ready. No one was listening. Then 100 years later, suddenly destruction came, and it was too late. The Bible defines, by the way, a generation as 100 years long. I think that's something you can't miss. Noah took a generation to build the ark, 100 years. The Bible defines a generation as 100 years. And Jesus said the last days would be like the days of Noah. I want you to look with me where it says that. In Matthew 24, verse 32, it says, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. And he's talking about a parable. Learn the lesson uh, that you will apply to my second coming in the end of the world as we know it. That's what Jesus is saying. Now learn the parable from the fig tree when its branch has already become tender and put forth its leaves. You know that summer is near. So you too, you too, when you see all these things 
recognize that he, that Jesus is near, right at the door. By the way, he's right at the door right now. Truly, I say to you, this generation, this 100 years, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Jesus goes on to say, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But that day, an hour of that day, an hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father alone. For the coming of the son of man will be, look at those words again, just like the days of Noah. Noah worked on the ark for a hundred years and then sudden destruction came. Jesus said, there's a sign to begin all signs that'll last a hundred years. Then sudden destruction happens. So it says in verse 37, for the coming of the son of man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And verse 39, you can't miss. They did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the son of man be. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken. One will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken. The other left. What is referring there is what the Bible calls the rapture, the rapture. And that is where all the Christians at some point before Jesus returns will be quickly taken into heaven. Uh, the Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 on, that it will happen in the blink of an eye, that all of a sudden we'll just all disappear. And then all those who are left, we left to a horrific time, a time of horror, a time of pain. Jesus even calls it a time of horror, a time where people's greatest fears will come upon them. You know what? We've been imagining things like this, but the Bible says it's actually going to happen. And Jesus said, when you see these things happening, Will you be one who recognizes that the kingdom of God is near? By the way, before I go on, if the rapture were to happen now where God, Jesus would take all the Christians out, I want to ask you a question. Would you go? Uh, if you are living for Jesus, if you're in a relationship with Jesus that's real and active, then you'll go. If you're under the age of accountability, you'll go. Uh, certain people with disabilities don't have an ability to have accountability, so they'll go. Will you go? And here's the thing you need to know. Jesus wants you to. He loves you. That's why he's warning about this. And before we get into the signs, the ones that have already happened, the one that's happening now, the one that'll take place after this, let me say this to you. This could be your moment now to say yes to Jesus. And so at the end of our time together, I'm going to lead a prayer where you can actually pray with me and give your life to Christ. Make that commitment, either to come back to him or to come to him for the first time. You can do it alone. You can do it as a couple. You can do it as friends. But you know, some of you right now, deep down, I think you know. You know all the things I'm saying are true. By the way, you can go and research it and you'll see what I'm saying is true. So why not be ready? Why not have his love? Why not have his power? Why not have the promises Jesus has for you active in your life? Pray the prayer with me at the end. And if you're going to do it, text AMEN right now to 69922. Go ahead and grab your phone, grab your tablet. Go ahead and text it in and, and do that. Or anytime after this, text it in. At the end of our time together, we'll pray that prayer. We'll do it together where you can say yes to the Lord. So here's the thing. What are the signs that have occurred since Israel became a nation and Jerusalem was back in the hands of the Jews, which is the blossoming of the fig tree? Uh, what are the signs that have occurred since then that Jesus said, I want you to watch for as they happen one by one in order. Number one, we're false Christ. We saw that last week. You can go back and hear the message, but false Christ has already taken place. Jesus said there would be people pretending to be him. Number two, 
Jesus said, watch out. After Israel becomes a nation, there'll be a rise in racial conflict with race fighting against race. People attacking one another over the color of their skin or their ethnicity. That's happening in a too real way. And the Lord said, all right, that, that occurs. The next is wars and rumors of wars and peace being taken from the earth. By the way, we have not known one day of peace since 1948, but definitely not now. Peace has been taken from the earth. Then number four, the fourth sign to occur is economic imbalance and famine. Revelation 6, 5 and 6 says this, when the lamb, which is Jesus, broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, come. And I looked up and saw a black horse and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hands. And I heard the voice among the four living beings saying, a loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay. And don't waste the oil and the wine. Since 1967, when Israel got Jerusalem back, we've seen famine growing all around the world. Um, even today, I, I was not even aware of it. You go look uh, in the nation of Yemen. They're in the midst of a famine, but they think in the next year to two years, more people will starve to death with lack of food than ever. My assistant Tracy's from Lebanon. Her family's from Lebanon. She was telling me right now that people have to work a whole day just to get a little bit of bread. That's happening right now in our world. Uh, a billion people are starving right now in our world. And the vast majority of them exist on less than $2.50 a day, the price of a loaf of bread. And so the Lord said, when you see that happening, know the time is real. So those are the signs that have already occurred. You can check those off. What is the one that's happening now that we're in the midst of? And that one is this, disease. And getting ready for a global pandemic. Uh, disease is coming. And getting ready for a global pandemic. In Revelation 6, 7, and 8, Jesus tells us this. It says, when the lamb, Jesus, broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living creature saying, come. And I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death, and his companion was the grave. These two, Death and the grave, were given authority over one-fourth, 25% of the earth, to kill with sword and famine and disease and wild animals. So Jesus is telling us something. When diseases begin to escalate, and then eventually there becomes a disease, a global pandemic that helps take down the world's population by 25% in a quick period of time. He said, that is a sign of my coming. We right now are in the midst of this. A year ago, I told you it was coming. Two years ago, I said it's going to happen. The science, but even more, the Bible stated it. We are in the midst of it right now. The probably the thing I want to point out to you about the coronavirus more than any other is how quickly it's killing. Uh, you know, many people say that, you know, the case fatality rate isn't that high. But look at the number of people who have died since just March. Uh, and we're watching surges happen again. But this isn't the disease. This one is a sign, but there's one that's coming that's worse. And the World Health Organization and the Center of Disease Control has actually been sounding the warning alarm, and they're telling us it's going to come. They're telling us it's a mutation away. They're telling us the world and the way we live, the way we travel, uh, how we share and interact together 
is what's going to cause this. And I don't know about you at all. It gets a little bit scary. Not that the Bible says this. To me, it gets a little bit scary how many people have decided they don't even care anymore. I'm not going to wear a face mask. I'm not going to socially distance. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And uh, you know what it reminds me of? In the days of Noah, they were marrying and giving in marriage. They were partying and eating and drinking and, and playing when all around them were the sign of destruction coming. And all around us right now, we're watching people do that. And I think maybe the greatest danger in the coronavirus is going to be people won't listen when the next one comes. People aren't going to take it to heart. People aren't going to believe it. But one that is worse is coming. In Luke 21, 11, it says this. It says there will be great earthquakes. There will be famines and plagues in many lands. There will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from the heaven. Now, all that is leading up to what I want to tell you are the signs to come. So right now we're waiting. We're in the midst of a sign of the coming global pandemic. The next sign that follows that is earthquakes. In Matthew 24, 7, it says nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Now, I don't know about you, but I have actually two different apps on my phone that tell me when earthquakes are occurring. Uh, I, I've already pinged it. So whenever it's local, it shows me a 5.0 and above. Whenever it's global, it shows me a 6.0 and above. And today, as I'm getting ready to preach, it just keeps going off. Now, I know that we have seasons of earthquakes that go up and down. I know that we don't necessarily have more earthquakes happening right now. But I do know the Bible says it will occur. You know, in Southern California, we warned about this great quake that is coming. Again, it's not a question of if, it's when. You may not know this, but New York City is actually on a fault line, and they're not prepared. The devastation would happen there would be catastrophic. But all around the world, the Lord says these birth pangs, these earthquakes are going to be like birth pangs on a pregnant woman. And when they come and hit and they start escalating, that's the next sign we're waiting for. We also are waiting for another sign. This is my least favorite one, probably many of yours too. The seventh sign that we get about the coming of the Lord, Jesus said, is a worldwide persecution of Christians. A worldwide persecution of Christians. In Matthew 24, 8, 9, it says this, that all the things we just talked about before are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then, after those happen, then... They will deliver you, Christians, to tribulation and will kill you. Then look at the last line. And you will be hated. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Because we have the name Christian, every nation on earth will hate us. Every nation on earth will persecute us. Many, many will die just for being a Christian. That is one of the next signs we're waiting for, where the world turns against us, begins to attack us, begins to kill other Christians we know, and maybe even our children. And Jesus said it will happen all around the world. In Revelation 6, 9, we see a seal being opened and we see the martyrs there waiting for God to do justice for all that they went through in the last days. In Revelation 6, 9, it says, When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God. Why are they killed? Because they love God's word and because of the testimony they maintain. Because they wouldn't give up. 
When they were threatened and told to say they weren't a Christian, they would not give up or give in. By the way, the early church went through periods of persecution where people were killed in horrible ways. They were crucified. They were burned at the stake. They were barbecued on grills. They were starved. Their children would be put in animal skins and then lions and tigers and other animals released to tear them apart in front of the parents. All they had to do to not undergo those kind of horrible things was say, I'm not a Christian. Uh, in the communist time, when communism ruled with, and, and with an iron fist in Eastern Europe, Christians were persecuted in horrible ways. All they had to do to get out of it is say, I'm not a Christian. In China, uh, there's been wave after wave of persecution. We're in the midst of maybe a little bit of a lull, but all they had to do to get out of it is say they were not a Christian, but they kept maintaining their testimony. They kept saying, no, I'd r- I would rather die than admit or say or confess that I'm not a Christian. And there's going to be a last great wave of persecution. And in heaven, the Lord says, here they are, the ones who maintained the testimony, the ones who didn't back down, the ones who stayed true. And it says this in verse 10, and they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, Will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe. And they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed even as they had been would be completed also. There's a last person we want to win to Christ. I'll get to that in a moment. But there's the last Christian who will die for Christ. One of the things that we'll see is an escalation and persecution. We'll see it being more violent and we'll see more Christians killed. And there's one Christian out there that the Lord knows by name. They'll be the last martyr, the last Christian to die for Jesus. The last one to say, I'll never give in. I'll never ever not say I belong to the Lord. I'll never deny his word. See, already there's pressure today in the United States for us to deny his word. There's pressure in the United States today to say that that your faith has just got to be kept private or not at all. There's more attacks on the media in the United States than ever before against Christians. I've watched it happen. I'm old enough to see it rising. There's no doubt about it. But by the way, what I'm watching is Christians be more courageous, not less courageous. And and worldwide, we're seeing an escalation. The Pew Research reported that Christians are being persecuted today in 145 countries throughout the world. By the way, just a couple years ago, I preached on this and it was 139. Now it's 145. So it's been rising. More countries are actively persecuting Christians. More nations are actively persecuting Christians than they were just a few years ago. 145 countries, Christians are being persecuted in horrible ways. According to the study, Christians are the most persecuted group of people in the world right now. And you know what is so weird? In the United States, we close our eyes and don't even think about our brother and sisters across the globe and what they're going through. And that's not okay. That's not okay. We need to pray for them. We need to care about them. We need to seek to stand up for them because we're the most persecuted group in the world right now, and it's going to get worse. Uh, The Independent, which is a a newspaper in Europe, 
in 2014 said this, most people in the West would be surprised by the answer to the question, who are the most persecuted people in the world? And they said, according to the International Society of Human Rights, a secular group, by the way, with members in 38 states worldwide, 80% of all acts of religious discrimination in the world are directed towards Christians. By the way, I want to ask the Christians right now, all you are believers out there, I want to hear about it in the chat. Would you agree that we're living in a time where being a Christian is something you get attacked for, at least verbally, that your rights are there? There's a desire to take your rights away as a believer. Uh, and, and I want to ask you, are you feeling it? I'm feeling it. Well, I'd love to know how you're feeling, but I want to tell you whether you know it or not, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. The Center for the Study of Global Christianity in the United States estimates that 100,000 Christians now die every year. They're targeted for their faith. That's 11 Christians die an hour. And uh, I saw a couple articles trying to say that's not true by having them redefine what it means to be Christian or why the people die. By the way, when they even try to redefine it, they're admitting the 100,000 happens. But it's going to get worse. So one of the next signs of the coming of the Lord and our being raptured to him is a worldwide persecution of Christians. Uh, number eight, uh, the, the eighth sign is the apostasy. That is because we see so much persecution against us, there will be people who will not maintain their faith. They will be people who will not maintain their testimony. There will be people who, because they're afraid or because society's peer pressure is so hard, they'll walk away from Jesus. I hope that's not you. As your pastor, all of you who are part of the Crossroads family, one reason I teach you these things now is so you're ready then. And one reason I teach you God's word is so you're strong enough then not to give up and not to give in. Uh, you know what? And, and, and we just can't. Your soul's too valuable. Jesus is too precious. I love Jesus too much. I hope you do too to ever, ever deny him. But there'll be a apostasy. The word apostasy we'll get to in a minute. Matthew 24, 10 says at that time, because people are being persecuted, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. So this great falling away is one of the signs of the coming of the Lord. Second Thessalonians 2, 1 to 3 talks about the rapture where one will be taken and one left. It says, now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us as to the effect the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless, look at that, it will not happen. The rapture will not happen unless the apostasy comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. So we'll get to him later. But, but here's what I want you to catch. One of the signs Jesus says of my coming is a worldwide persecution of Christians and then Christians falling away. Paul says an apostasy occurring. The word apostasia is where we get the word apostasy. So apostasy in the Greek means defection. They defect from the faith. Divorce. They were actually married to Christ and they divorce him. They forsake him. So defection, forsake, or divorce. That means you had to be in relationship at one time and then you walk away. Uh, I know people try to debate that all the time. That is the meaning of God's inspired word here. That many, many who are Christians will walk away. They'll deny the Lord. They won't stay faithful. And uh, 
you know what? Um, a lot of people in the chat are telling me right now, we do feel persecuted and, and it's real. It's real. And by the way, it's going to get worse, but you got to stay strong. God moves. By the way, this is interesting. Even though many, many, many will fall away, many also will come. Uh, in church history, we see whenever there's times of persecution, uh, people's faith are more real. Those who aren't strong will walk away. Those who are strong will shine out, stand up, speak out, and more people will become Christians. And we need to know it's true. But that's one of the signs of the coming of the Lord, the eighth one, an apostasy. The ninth one is false prophets. Why? When the worldwide persecution hits uh, and people are being persecuted, uh, many will start falling away and then people will stand up and start saying things that are not true. They'll claim to be Christian. But they'll begin to tell people like to take the mark of the beast. They'll begin to tell people not to stand for the morality of God's word. By the way, that's one we're already seeing where people are standing up and actually speaking out against what God's word said is true. Uh, that might happen in the area of sexual morality or immorality, more likely, where they begin to say that you can be sexually immoral and somehow still be a Christian. And yet we're told in the Bible, do not be deceived. Those who are adulterers, those who are homosexual, and I'm not trying to be mean. I don't want you to be deceived. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who commit premarital sex, that purity that God wants you to cherish will not inherit the kingdom of God unless you turn to Christ and get forgiven, unless you turn to Christ and live for him. But there'll be all sorts of false teachers rising up saying, oh, that's not true. Do whatever you want. Purity is not a big thing. Uh, it's, it, it's not about uh, that. You just keep doing. You can, you can use any drug. You can drink any drink. You can. And God says, don't, don't be deceived. Drunkards don't inherit the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you, the Jesus who says don't do that can rescue you out of it, cleanse you from it, call you to something better, because none of those things are good for you. None are. And it's not about us being hateful. It's about us loving you enough to tell you the truth. And so what you need to know is Matthew 24, 11 says, many false prophets will arise and mislead many. I actually heard a pastor one time say this, and I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said it. He said, hey, I want to tell you that the Bible, you know, a lot of people say that the Bible teaches in the last days, there'll be a mark on your right hand that you can't buy without, or a mark on your forehead or a scan in the midst of your eye. He said, all of that's symbolic. So if ever they ask you to do that, if they ever tell you to take a mark or take a computer chip, if they ever want to scan your eye and you can't access your money without it. Or he said, take it. And I'm like, the Bible could not be more clear. Don't take it. Don't take it. But already there are false teachers out there. Already there are false prophets out there, but it's going to get worse. When the apostasy happens, they will, they will help people fall away. And then number 10, the 10th sign is lawlessness increases. People's love grows cold. Matthew 24, verse 12 says, because lawlessness increased, most people's love will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. By the way, don't miss that. Who is it that saved the one who endures? We have to endure to the end. We have to endure till death or until Jesus calls us home in the rapture. Um, I don't know if you'll agree, but I'd like you to put it in the chat. I think right now, lawlessness is increasing and people are more mean and cold than ever. You know, it used to be that Christians would stand up and say, hey, you know what? The only way to see people's lives changed is for their hearts to be changed. And what we need to do is love our enemy. We need to be people of peace, not war. We need to be people who overcome 
evil with good and we're not overcome by evil. I'm watching some people post things and, I, and you know what? It's, many of them are Christian, but I'm watching people post hateful things, cold things, cruel things. I'm watching people buy into conspiracy theories um, that don't even make sense. And yet then they start attacking others. Uh, we've seen violence enacted. We've seen people calling for vengeance, not forgiveness. Uh, I, I, and then we were being told, and I think it's true, it's worldwide. It's not just the United States. It's all around the world. Where's the love? Where's the love? Well, in, in the real Christian, in the church, there's the love. But one of the signs is people's love will grow cold. And I think it's, not I think, the Bible teaches it'll get worse and worse and worse and worse, which is another reason we'll be persecuted because we'll stand out and stand up for love for peace. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the sons of God. And we need to be people who try to bring peace. Then number 11, in the midst of all of this, Russia will attack Israel, which will set off a nuclear exchange. So uh, what you need to know is in Ezekiel 38 and 39, there's a description of a geographical area of the world where Russia now exists. And it says they will be a warlike warlike people. They will have allies and all the allies that it says they'll have, uh, Iran, uh, Iraq, uh, Libya, and Turkey, by the way, are named. And all of them are allies of Russia today. They will join them in the attack on Israel out of a hatred of Israel to exterminate Israel. By the way, the political factions are already in place. The political alliance is already in place. We just need to, whatever it is that tips that tipping point so the attack occurs. And um, in Revelation 6, 12 to 17, we have a description of what occurs. It says, I looked and he broke the sixth seal and there was great earthquake And the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair and the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth. When the missiles come in, what do you think it looks like? It looks like the stars of the sky will fall to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. And they hit, it'll begin a shaking. The sky was split apart and rolled like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island were removed out of their places. In other words, the, you've seen the, the cloud, the atomic cloud that comes whenever there's a nuclear blast. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves among the rocks. The, the leaders will all go to their nuclear fallout shelters, their bunkers. And they said to the mountains on the rocks, fall on us, hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come. Who is able to stand? Uh, The people who run the doomsday clock says this is going to happen. And when they say we're 100 seconds from it occurring, symbolically probably, obviously. But the Bible says it's real. It's true. It's going to happen. And Russia will attack Israel. There'll be a nuclear exchange. By the way, at that point, Christians will become more active than ever. So then the 12th sign begins to take place. The gospel will be preached to the whole world in all people groups. Remember, when persecution hits, the church actually gets more uh, passionate and grows. And in Matthew 24, 14, it says, This gospel must of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, all ethnic groups. The word nation is ethnic group. Then the end will come. 
Um, every country on earth has already been reached with the gospel. A few years ago, that wasn't the case, but I want to tell you it's happened now. Now we know, we've been, we've been actually tracking it, there are 4,588 people groups, ethnic groups, that need to be reached. Uh, not long ago, that was 7,000. We are moving quickly towards reaching every single group. And it says, then the end will come. Then the end will come. And we're getting closer because the church is more active. And, and when that persecution hits, we'll become more active. But what will happen when Russia goes to attack Israel, we fan out to preach the gospel all around the world, is that there will be a man who will rise up out of Europe and the world will look to him and he'll become a worldwide leader. He'll rise up out of the European Union, but he will actually be so popular, even in the United States and all around the world, that he'll, he'll have worldwide influence to a degree like no other. And the main revealing moment that we know he's the Antichrist, remember we said the apostasy will come and the Antichrist will be revealed, is when he, he brings together factions, brings together nations, and they actually enact a treaty that will call for peace, especially in the Middle East, and after we go through this battle with Russia, it'll now, we'll have this desire for peace and we'll have a peace treaty. And he's going to make it so firm that they're going to allow the building of the temple on Temple Mount. And Temple Mount will become internationalized. Temple Mount will become uh, the home of the Islamic mosque next to the temple of the Jewish people, along with the church that will be there. And the supposed Christians, Islam, and Jews will have all a place to look to. And the Antichrist will be the one to broker that peace deal. So in Daniel chapter 9, 27, it talks about that last seven years of the world. And it begins with that treaty. In Daniel 9, 27, it says, And he, the Antichrist, will make a firm covenant with many for one week or one seven-year period. So that's the beginning. When they make the covenant, maybe the actual building of the temple, it says that that starts a seven-year countdown to the end of the world. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wings of abomination will come one who makes desolate. Jesus actually calls him in Matthew 24 and Luke 21 and Mark 13, the abomination of desolation. He's an abomination to God because he's not a servant of God. He's a servant of the devil. And he's going to bring desolation on the earth like no one has before. Think about everybody believing in someone like Hitler because they think he's good and he turns out to be worse than Hitler. It says, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So how do we know him? How does he reveal? The main revealing comes. We have other characteristics, but the main revealing comes when he makes a peace treaty that brings peace to Israel and all surrounding people and the other nations in the world and the allowing of the building of the temple. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 3, we've read it before, but look at it with me again. It says, now we will crush you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, our being raptured to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us as to effect the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you. Don't be deceived. It will not come unless the apostasy comes first. That was a few signs back. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, the Antichrist. By the way, just for those of you who study the Bible, at the time that that treaty is enacted, 
two witnesses will rise up. That's what the Bible calls them. They're talked about in the book of Zechariah. Uh, they're also talked about in the book of Revelation. One will be Elijah and the other will probably be Enoch, but it could be Moses. They will actually come back. Enoch and Elijah never died. So it's not reincarnation. They'll just come back. And they will actually uh, uh, pull together 144,000 Jewish men who convert to Christianity in these last days. That's the part of the worldwide conversion. And they will begin to spend three and a half years going around the world, preaching Christ like never before. More miracles will be done. More signs will be done in the name of Christ. And to match that, the Antichrist will have his legion encountering them, fighting against them, persecuting them. But they're revealing in the Antichrist. And the Treaty Peace Treaty for the Temple, the number 14, the 14th sign, there'll be signs in the skies that bring fear. What is that? That the, uh, there will be an asteroid or a comet or something, uh, asteroid or comet that will actually impact the earth in a life-threatening way. In Luke 21, verse 25, it says this, there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars and on the earth dismay among nations and perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. Uh, what's going on environmentally? Then it goes, men fainting from fear. Men fainting from fear. Why? And the expectation of things which are coming upon the world and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. NASA right now is scanning the sky. The JPL, a Jet Propulsion Laboratory, is scanning the sky. Astronomers are scanning the sky. Uh, European Space Agency scanning the sky. China and Russia are also tracking potentially life-threatening hits when we get hit. Way before we knew the science, John the Apostle was given the vision in the book of Revelation of us being hit three times. Uh, interestingly, in 19, I think it was 87, I'll have to look that up, Jupiter was hit exactly like this. One huge asteroid came in to the atmosphere of Jerusalem. By the way, we knew it was coming almost a year before it hit. We knew it would impact by tracking its trajectory, by tracking its orbit, and we knew it was about to get hit. It was called the shoemaker Levy. Uh, um, comet and air asteroid. And as it was coming in, when it hit the atmosphere of Jupiter, it first broke up and there was a rain, a rain of smaller debris that hit and began to take its toll on the planet. Then it was impacted uh, by a, a, a mountain-sized asteroid that actually would hit so hard, this Jupiter, which is huge, began to shake. It said it looked like it was rung like a bell. And then it was hit again. We're going to see that. Listen to what it says in Revelation 8, 7, 11. It says, the first angel sounded, the first trumpet sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood. Remember, it broke, and then it came down like hail and fire. And they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. In 1908, uh, an area of Russia was hit exactly like that, where the, at, at the asteroid hit in the atmosphere, exploded, came down in smaller pieces, and caught everything in that area on fire. It still hasn't burned back, by the way. Or uh, uh, it still hasn't come back. Then it says in verse 8, the second angel sounded. There's something like a great mountain. That's the second piece that's coming. Burning with fire was thrown in the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the creatures which were in the sea had life died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. And by the way, we know a mountain-sized uh, asteroid or comet hitting in the middle 
of one of the oceans, Pacific or Atlantic, would create that very form of devastation, plus the tsunamis or tidal waves that come with it. But, but we also saw that very effect on Jupiter. Then it says in verse 10, the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven, being like a torch, and it fell on the earth and the rivers uh, and on the springs. And the name of the star was called Wormwood, which means bitter or poisonous. And a third of the waters became Wormwood, bitter or poisoned. And many men died from the waters because they were made bitter or poisoned. By the way, the Independent, that paper in Europe, reported that the ESA, the European Space Agency, is tracking an asteroid that will come close to the Earth in 2029. A minor change in trajectory, which happens all the time, would make all the things we just read in Revelation happen. Now, is that the one that's going to hit us? I don't know. But we know, again, European Space Agency and NASA is not saying if it's when. And they're asking for funding. They're asking for us to prepare, but we're not. We're not doing it. We're not preparing for the end of clean drinking water. We're not prepared for the next global pandemic. We're not prepared for this. And yet all of them are going to happen. The Bible and science agree. And then when that impact happens, so much debris will be thrown up into the atmosphere. The 15th sign occurs. The sun and the moon is darkened. And then the 16th sign occurs, which is the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist in reaction to all that's happening, puts an end to any kind of worship except worship of him. It might seem odd that that would occur, but it's, we're so close to people doing things like that. And he will ban sacrifice in the temple, and he will take his seat in the temple and proclaim an end to religious practices other than the ones he approves. And uh, then we'll have the coming of Jesus Christ. Sometime in there is the rapture. Sometime in that last section, Jesus will say, I'm not going to leave my children here any longer. I'm not going to leave my, my people here any longer. I'm going to cause the rapture to occur where one is taken and one is left, where our bodies are transformed and we go to heaven in the moment and we're caught up in the air to be with Jesus, which I believe is three and a half years into the tribulation. I know some of you believe it happens at the beginning. I hope you're right. But if not, be prepared. But think again about what Jesus said said Matthew 24 verse 37 for the coming of the son of man will just be like will be just like the days of Noah and notice today people how many people aren't taking it seriously you know I, I don't want to be an alarmist but just when I watch people gathering in big crowds right now and they know the danger and they're not listening and it's it's going to continue then it says for in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand. And the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. And he says, it's just like Noah and his family walked into the ark and everybody else could have come too, but they didn't do it. We could all be caught up to be with the Lord in the air. By the way, the Bible says that when, we're, when that happens, there'll be a feast thrown for us, which I don't have time to get into, but it, the Bible describes it in a pretty incredible way. And the Lord says, come home, and we get to be with Jesus. We get to be with each other. And he says, then, what's it going to be like? There'll be two men in the field, one taken, one left. Two women grinding at the mill, one taken, one left. Uh, there was a song that years ago was out, a Christian song by a man named Larry Norman. This is, there'll be a husband and wife in bed, one taken, one left. How many of you husbands out there, your wife's a Christian, and she's been trying to say to you, come Come share faith with me. Come know Jesus with me. 
and you haven't done it. Or, or you haven't done it for real. If the rapture happens, you'll turn over. She just won't be there. Your kids will be gone too if they're under the age of accountability. You know, and, and right now, it's real. It's always been real. But it's right before your eyes. I uh, am intrigued how many times uh, in our action activity on social, or I mean on a online campus, and the people have had a chance to disagree, and that's okay with me. I, I probably am more concerned where you are with the Lord, but even more concerned that you remember this at least. So when it starts to happen, you don't wait till it's too late. But I'd say, why wait at all? Why not right now say, I want to be right with Jesus? So the most important question I can ask you is this. If the rapture were to happen, would you go be with him? Only people who are sincerely living their life with Jesus in a very vibrant, vital way, experiencing his love, finding his guidance, having him give you power that you wouldn't have outside of him, having him show you what you're meant for and give you your identity. Those are the only ones that go. And I want it to be you. I really want it to be you. And the Bible says we have to have a walk with the Lord. We have to begin to, to live life with him. And the Bible teaches us, Jesus teaches us how to have that. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, let me put something where I can guide you. Because my way is gentle. My way is going to be better. Jesus said, I, I want you to come to me. Come to me. Right now, are you tired? Are you just worn out? Jesus said, come and get vitality, get life, get love. Find forgiveness from all the sins, all the bad things in your life. Come to me. And he says, I want you to come. And how do you come to him? You come to him and you say, I want to give my life to you. You come to him because Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock and you pray a prayer and say, come in. And I'm going to lead that prayer in a moment. I, I am. But what I want you to do is get your phone ready. And if you're going to pray this prayer with me, I want you to text AMEN to 69922. And I want to pray for you. And then we want to have a song. This is an invitation song. Uh, the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. And, and while our team is, is sharing these words, singing this song of praise, I want you to open up to the Lord. I want you to sit and listen and read the words. And if you feel God stirring in your heart, I want you to text that AMEN in. And we'll pray the prayer together. You can do this for the first time. You can do it to recommit. You could do it to find freedom from something that's got hold of you. You could do it as a family. You could do it as a couple. You could do it as friends. This is your time. This is your moment. So I want to pray for you. I'll keep praying for you during this song. At the end of the song, I want to invite you to pray the prayer. Don't go anywhere. This matters too much. If you're a Christian, I want you to pray for people right now to say yes to Jesus. Pray for those people out there. Let me pray for you. Father, right now, I pray for that husband whose wife has just wanted so badly for him to come to know you. And their marriage could be so incredible. Their family could be so great. And he's a good man. But for some reason, he's been holding off. And this is the time. And I know he knows who he is. And you're stirring on his heart. And I pray he's going to say yes to you. I want to pray for somebody, the Lord, who right now, in the next room from the one they're in, there's something sitting on their counter that shouldn't be there. And they, they, they shouldn't do it. Oh, I hope they don't do it. I hope they don't turn this off and walk in there. This is not the time. They can be free. And I pray, God, they're about to understand love and life like never before. So I pray you're, you're going to touch them right now. 
I pray for somebody, Lord, who's just found themselves more and more filled with hate and anger, and they just don't even like who they are anymore. I pray they're going to pray this prayer and find your cleansing and forgiveness. I pray for people, Lord, to open their eyes that you love them, that you care about them. So I pray right now people are going to sense your presence and fill you. As this song is being sung, if you're ready, text amen, and in a minute we'll pray the prayer together. that prayer and I really, really want you to pray it with me and and it matters. When you say these words, the Lord knows and then when you text amen, you're declaring it's true, it's true, it's true. So let's pray the prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me and I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything that would hold me back or hold me down. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. And then here's the word. Say, I say yes. If you don't say anything else, say those words. I say yes. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, 
amen. Amen means the truth. It means for real. Amen means I'm yours. So the Bible says the first step is to tell him what you just did. And if you only say the words, I say yes, you're telling Jesus, I say yes to you. Then Jesus said, I want you to make it known. I want you to make it known to everyone. And we want you to make it known to us by texting in amen to 69922. And then we're going to get back to you. And I want you to interact with us. We'll keep everything private between us. We don't share your information. But but what I want you to do is text back. Then we're going to start getting you things to help you grow in Christ. We're going to have people praying for you, no matter where you are in the world, because you matter to us and you matter to God. So I know sometimes you're like, should I do it? Do it. Text it in. Text it in. Text amen to 69922. If for some reason you can't text, then email me at chuck at crossroadschurch.com. Email me at chuck at crossroadschurch.com so we can get back to you. And we want to get you some things again to help you grow in the Lord. And then I want to pray for you. So, uh, and I'd love to hear from you, by the way, if you want to just email me, period, I'll eventually get to it. Chuck at crossroadschurch.com.